Good morning. Everybody good? So, um, I just want to introduce myself. I'm Danny Forshee, pastor here at Great Hills, and want to uh, welcome you as well. Thank you, Daniel, for extending a, a warm welcome to especially our guests today. God is so good to us. He brings us many people every Sunday, especially first-time guests who come. Maybe new to Austin and maybe new to um, this part of the world, and we're so glad that you are here. Let me bring you up to speed just a little bit as to where we are in our church. We are in a study. Uh, we're calling it For the One, and we're walking through the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we're studying the encounters that Christ had with individuals, with men and women in those New Testament days where he stops and he ministers to those that the Father has placed in his pathway. And so I'm, I'm very excited for a number of reasons to preach. But, well, let me give you three. Number one, as we do this study, we're going to study the Master. We will emulate, we will watch him and then say, God, show us how we can better uh, do what you did here on this earth. And then th another reason why I'm so excited is it gets us into the sacred text. We are actually not talking about the Bible. We are into the Bible, and we're going to study today uh, John chapter 1, for example, verses 35 through 42. If you have a Bible, I'd love for you to turn there with me. And then in a few minutes, uh, we're going to turn over to Matthew chapter 4. Uh, 18 through 20, and what we're going to do today is we're going to study for the one, and his name is Andrew. Andrew is our study today, and the way that Jesus Christ interacted with him, and the way that Jesus called him to become a follower of his. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to say, okay, we're studying the Bible, and we're studying Jesus, and what difference does that make to me? How does that impact my life? How am I supposed to live a blessed prosperous, fulfilled life? And the answer is, do what Jesus did. And what Jesus did is he just loved people. And anybody that came into his path that had a need, Christ stopped and he ministered and he served that individual. And in so doing, he completed the Father's will for his life. And so I'm, I'm so encouraged by the testimonies and the examples that I'm hearing about many of you uh, throughout your normal activities of life, whether you're at the gym, as I just heard this morning, uh, one of our church members has invited a friend of his at the gym, and that person is here today, and I'm so glad he's here, and I got to meet him a moment ago. Whether you're at uh, HEB, I went shopping yesterday for food. That's quite an experience. Just go through HEB. It's a fun thing. Yeah, just shop, shop uh, till you drop. But anyhow, whether you're in HEB or whether you're at the store, whether you're at work, or students, whether you're at school, as the Holy Spirit guides you and you meet somebody and you just get to engage them and talk with them and pray with them. It is a, it is a beautiful thing. So today we're going to study the life of Andrew. Andrew was the very first disciple of Jesus Christ. His name literally means manly. He is better known as the brother of another raw-boned fisherman by the name of Peter. Most of us are familiar, more familiar with Peter than we are with Andrew, but I want to share with you today that if Andrew had not shared the gospel with Peter, we wouldn't hear about Peter. Peter went on to become this great Pentecostal preacher. He, he, you look at the first 12 chapters in the book of Acts, and you look at the life of Peter, and the remainder of those 12 chapters, you look at the life of Paul, but without Andrew, the very first disciple... Um, He's mentioned eight times in the New Testament. Every time he is mentioned, he's leading somebody to Jesus. 
Now, wouldn't that be an awesome way to be remembered throughout all time and eternity that whenever your name is mentioned, you're bringing a little boy with some loaves of fish to Jesus. You're bringing some Greeks who are inquiring in John chapter 12 to Jesus. You're running out and finding your brother uh, Simon Peter so much for um, family evangelism. People say, man, witnessing to my family is so hard. It wasn't hard for Peter. I mean, Andrew, he said, Peter, you need to come. We found him. He is the Messiah. So every time you study his life, I'm so intrigued by Andrew. He is leading somebody to Christ. But before he leads others, he first had to become a follower. And that's what we're going to look at today. So we're going to look at two passages of Scripture. John chapter 1, and then in Matthew chapter 4, which occurs about one year and six months later. So when Jesus said, follow me, what he's asking them to do is lay down their fishing enterprise and follow after Jesus to win souls. But initially, in John chapter 1, we're going to study where Jesus Christ calls out Andrew to come and be his disciple. So let me read it to you, the text. We'll walk through the text together. And thank you again for being here today. God bless you. I believe the Lord has you here for a reason. God wants to encourage you. God wants to challenge you. God wants to grow you deeper in Him. And I'm delighted that you're here today. The Bible says, John 1, 35, again the next day, John stood with two of his disciples. Let me stop there for just a minute and set the scene for you because John the Beloved is very humble. He's not going to tell you that he is actually one of those two disciples. So when it says the next day, John stood, that is John the Baptist, okay? John the Baptist stood with two of his disciples, and their names were Andrew and John. Andrew and John, John who wrote the Gospel of John. He's not going to mention his name. He's just going to be humble, and he's going to talk a lot about Andrew, but he's not going to mention his name. But I'm telling you, this is John the Beloved and Andrew. They are disciples of John the Baptist. They are following John the Baptist because John the Baptist says, we need to repent. The kingdom of God is at hand, and we, we need to be baptized. And Andrew and John said, yes, we will do that. And the next day, John the Baptist said again what he said in 129 when it says, And looking at Jesus, he walked and said, Behold the Lamb of God. Now the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. <laughs> I said, Bye, John. Bye, John the Baptist. We're going to follow him now. And John the Baptist is okay with that. He is one of those pastors with a lot of humility. And he just says, hey, I am just, um, I, I am just the best man in this wedding. I'm not the man. And so Jesus has come, so you guys go ahead. And Jesus turned and he saw them following. And he said to those two disciples of John the Baptist named Andrew and John, what do you seek? Wow, that's a very powerful question. Jesus often asks lots of questions. And he asks those rhetorical questions, demands more than a yes or no, because he wants us to think. What do you seek? It's much more than uh, that, that's on the surface. It's what are, you, what are you looking for? What do you want in life? What is satisfying to you in life? And they said to him, Rabbi, which is to say, uh, teacher, where are you staying? And Jesus said to them, come, come and see. And they came and they saw where Jesus was staying. And, and they remained with him that day. Now it was about the tenth hour. 
One of the two who heard John speak, John the Baptist speak, and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and he said to him, We have found him. We found the Messiah. Come he is, is, and, and come to him. And, and he brought him to Jesus. And now when Jesus looked at him, he said, You are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. So what I want to do with this text, I want to walk you through this text for a few minutes, and then we'll flip on over to Matthew. And even though Matthew comes before John in the chronology of the Gospels, what I will read to you in Matthew chapter 4 is actually a year and a half after what we just experienced here uh, in this text. So, I look at this text and I'm, I'm so intrigued with it. I love the way Jesus Christ, he appears on the scene. John the Baptist says, let's turn the attention off of me. Here he is, the Messiah. Here is Christ who will save the world from all of our sins. Behold, he is the Lamb of God. And so Jesus, he begins his, he begins his ministry. He begins to call men who will literally be his followers, just like he calls us today. He, 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 he reaches down to us and he goes, Will you come? Will you, will you follow me? Will you come after me and be my disciple? And the first person that he calls is this guy by the name of Andrew. And it's a, it's a beautiful dialogue when these two disciples, Jesus says to them, what are, what are you seeking? And, and then they, they tried to change the subject because this was a deep subject. It was more than just, how are you doing, boys? Jesus was going, really, what's going on in your heart? And they tried to change the subject, and they said, um, hey, uh, where, where are you staying? Where, where are you living? Where are you hanging out? And Jesus said, well, why don't you come, come and see? Come and see where, where not only just I live, but come and see, and I will show you things that your heart will be absolutely overjoyed to know. Where the Bible says in verse 39 that they remained with Jesus for that day. Now that's interesting. They said it's about, in, in verse 39 it says, they remained with him now, it was about the tenth hour. Now there are a couple of uh, interpretations of this, so let me, let me go ahead and share this with you. The tenth hour could be that these, these two men, these two disciples came and stayed with Jesus from about 10 a.m., till about 4 p.m. So think about that for just a moment. That's about six hours that they are spending under the tutelage, under the mentorship of Jesus. He says, y'all come and follow me. And they said, okay, bye, John the Baptist. We're going to go follow him. And for six hours, the Bible is silent. It does not tell us what they talked about. Now, I have some conjecture. I have some ideals I'll mention to you in a moment. But the other interpretation is they went to Jesus the 10th hour of the day. That would be about 4 p.m., they stayed through the night, they spent the night with Jesus, and on into the next day. So now you have multiple hours. The point is, these two men, Andrew and John, they come after Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ spends time with them, and I don't know what all they talked about, but after Jesus talked to Andrew, Andrew took running off to Peter, and he says, you got to come. We found him. He's the Messiah. And so I don't know what all their conversation had to do, but maybe it had to do with, with this. Maybe Jesus expounded upon what John the Baptist said earlier, that I am the Lamb of God and I've come to die. 
I will be slain. I will be butchered on a cross, and I'm going to shed my blood for the sins of the world. Do you want to come and follow me? And Andrew's like, yes. And do you know, in AD 60, Andrew would be preaching in Greece, and the governor there says, you got to stop doing this. You're you're taken away from the gods and the goddesses of Rome. And, and Andrew says, sir, I, I can't help but preach truth. This is the truth. And so Andrew would be crucified in AD 60, like all the original disciples except one. They would be, I mean, they would be tortured. They would be rammed through with swords. They would be crucified. Both Peter and his brother Andrew would be crucified. St. Andrew, Scotland. It's on my bucket list. I want to go there and play, play that golf course. It's named after this guy, Andrew. You know, he never went to Scotland. But in 1300 A.D., they just fell in love with him, and they named him their patron saint. He's also a patron saint of Russia. And all these places, he never went, yet he's so, he's so revered. He's so honored. Why? Because he was the very first disciple of Jesus Christ. And they named cities after people like that. St. Andrews of Scotland. Maybe Jesus told him about this. Come and see. Because if you seek me, here's what will happen. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you, Andrew. Because everyone who asks uh, finds he who seeks. They find it out. And he who knocks, the door will be opened. Or maybe Jesus said, again, this is just conjecture on my part. We don't know what they talked about for six hours, but it was life-changing. Maybe, maybe Jesus said something like this. Hey, guys, I just want you all to know the Son of Man has come to seek and to save uh, that which is lost. Or maybe he talked to him about Matthew 6, John and Andrew, if you seek first the kingdom of God, Everything will be added unto you. I don't know what they talked about, but I do know it was life-changing. And now Andrew immediately becomes a missionary. He runs off and he gets his brother Peter. Now let me read to you John chapter 6, verses 8 through 9, because this is where Andrew is going to introduce a little lad who has the bread and the fish, and Jesus is going to take that little and feed multiplied thousands, one is that it? I can't see. Is that John? There it is. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a lad here. You with me? Jesus. Here is a lad. And, and lad, this is Jesus. Now, he only has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? And so Andrew, he's always finding people and bringing them to Jesus. Another example is in John chapter 12. Let me read this to you. Now, there were certain Greeks among those who came up to worship at the feast there in Jerusalem. Then they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and they asked him, saying, Sir, we want to see Jesus. So Philip came and told Andrew. Maybe Andrew has this reputation. That if you just get to Andrew, somehow Andrew will get them to Jesus. Would that not be an awesome way to be known? incredible. Man, if you, just, if you just get to Great Hills Baptist Church, I don't care how you get there. Walk, run, ride a bike, get on a bus, get in your car. But it's, I'm telling you, you just get there because once you get there, you, you'll meet Jesus. You'll find Jesus. 
And so there he is. Um, can we go back to that text? Let me finish reading that text. Coming after me. Oh, there it is. Philip came and told Andrew, and in turn, Andrew and Philip told Jesus. And they said, Jesus, there's a group of guys here that are wanting to see you. So he is the missionary. He is the first disciple. He will die a martyr's death. Uh, he is Simon Peter's uh, brother, which is a wonderful thing. And we don't we're not diminishing uh, Peter at all, but we are at this moment, we are thanking God for the lesser light of Andrew. Now, in the lesser light of things, in the grand scope of things, most of us would recognize Peter before we would recognize Andrew. There's a man in the 1850s in Boston, Massachusetts named Edward Kimball. And Edward Kimball was a Sunday school teacher. We've called it Sunday school, Bible life, connect group. Y'all come, howdy time, whatever we call it, it's, it's a great time. And so Edward Kimball, 1850s, Boston, Massachusetts, he, he walks to the shoe, the shoe store because there's a young boy there, a young man. He's 16 years of age. He only has a fourth grade education. You with me? Fourth grade education. He's 16 years of age. He's working, providing, helping provide for his family. And Edward Kimball sees something special in this young man. And he begins to witness to him and share the gospel with him. And in the back room in this shoe store in Boston, Massachusetts in the 1850s, Edward Kimball led this young lad to Christ. That young lad went on to lead one million people to Christ. A million people he led through his preaching. You say, well, what in the world was his name? Couldn't be Billy Graham. You're talking 1850, not 1950. His name was Dwight Lehman Moody, D. L. Moody. How many of you have ever heard the name of Moody? Moody Bible Institute, Moody Church, so forth. Amen. How many of you raise your hand have heard of Edward Kimball? Not many. He was an Andrew. So don't minimize or mitigate your witness because you never know who it is that God would save like a Mordecai Ham would be preaching and a Billy Graham would come and be saved. Okay, now we've got to transition to Matthew. So let's go to Matthew chapter 4. And the reason I'm doing this is because they're very interrelated. So let me read the text and then share just a few minutes with you from, from this text of Matthew. Matthew chapter 4, and we'll begin reading in verse 18. Now Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee. How much longer is this text than John 1? Anybody listening? A year and a half. Very good. A year and a half later, Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter. Notice he's mentioned first. That's okay. That's cool. And Andrew, his brother. They were casting a net. That's an interesting word. That's amphibolstron in the Greek. Amphibolstron is where we get the word amphibious. Amphibious means it has to do with both land and water. And those fishermen would take their net and they would throw it in the water and they would grab the fish and draw the fish to the, to the shore. So it's amphibious, amphibolstron, the word net. They're casting the net in the sea. And why in the world would they do such a thing? Because they were what? What's it say? They were fishermen, all right? Then Jesus said to them, walking along the Sea of Galilee, Hello, gentlemen. Follow me. Follow me. 
He said, but I thought they were already following. They were. But now he's asking for something else. He's asking for a vocational, a ministerial call, if you will, of following him where you leave your vocation. You leave your medical practice. You, you leave your, your law, being a lawyer. You, you leave being a plumber. You, you leave being a teacher. You leave whatever you're doing, and it's wonderful what you're doing, but God has a call, and God says, I need you to leave that, and I need you to follow me. Now, now in the Greek, that follow me is, is imperative, and it means follow me, and literally it means after me, this adverbial imperative, which means come behind me. Come behind me. And when you follow me, I'll teach you not how to catch fish, but I'll teach you how to win men. I'll teach you how to lead men and women to me. Will you do it? Will you follow me? Well, the Bible says right after that, they debated. They thought about it. They said, well, you know, we got a good fishing thing going on here. Give us about six months. You know, we can wrap this thing up. We can get our nest egg, our retirement. No, they just said, you got it. So immediately they left their amphibostrom and they followed after Jesus. So there's two things I want to share with you from this text uh, today. And it's very simple. The first thing is we want to follow Jesus and then secondly, we want to talk about what it means to fish for men. So to follow him, I, I shared with you a moment ago in, in the Greek there, it literally means come to the rear, come and watch me, mimic me, imitate me, watch, watch what I do. By the way, this is the greatest form of pedagogy. The greatest method of teaching is always mentoring. Now, I'm not minimizing books. I love books. I love to read books, and I love to study. But if you are going to be really good at whatever you're doing, if you're going to be a good surgeon, you've got to get into the surgery room with an expert surgeon. You've got to watch him, and you've got to mimic him and follow the skill of his hands with the scalpel there in his hands. If you're going to be a good dentist, there comes a time when you've got to leave anatomy and molars and teeth and biology and you've got to get there and there's got to be a patient in the chair and you've got to be leaning over watching an expert dentist as he fills the cavity, as he does the root canal. If you're going to be a good plumber, man, you can study plumbing till you're blue in the face and in the textbook, but there comes a time you've got to get out of the textbook and you've got to get in there with the pipes and you've got to be watching somebody and how do I change this? How do I do this? And it's the same way in ministry. If you're going to be a good pastor, if you're going to be a good minister, you've got to get out of the seminary classroom and you've got to get where the people are. And it's a good thing if you can follow somebody that will love you enough to mimic for you and, and model for you how to do ministry. And that's precisely what Jesus did. For a year and a half now, he will, he will be teaching them and training them and developing them because Jesus is beginning with the end in mind. He knows that his ministry is only going to last about three and a half years. And when he's done, he knows that he's going to have to turn it over to people. And he turns it over to the Andrews of this world. And they did such a fabulous job. And they turned the world upside down. Why? Because Jesus Christ personally discipled them. And that's what we have to do. It's imperative that we have people who will follow us and 
that we can mentor and that we can share with them. Here is what it looks like to follow Christ. Follow me. I've yet to met anybody who fishes for men who's not first following Jesus. Translation. It's almost impossible to be a good soul winner. To be a somebody who witnesses, if you're not first, passionately following Jesus. Now, I know what happens. I've heard occasions where uh, a guy went into a bar. Sounds like a joke, but it's true. He goes into a bar, and he just gets lit up and inebriated, and he sits down to another patron, and he just looks at him. He says, you know, I'm drunk. And I know better because I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And I'm, I'm feeling pretty guilty for doing this. But that guy accepts Christ. The guy here going, really? Tell me more about that. And this old boy gets saved. Now, that's very unusual. Because most of the time when you're witnessing to somebody, you are properly following after Jesus. Now, for me, I, I'm at my best. When I'm walking with the Lord, I'm following the Lord, I'm praying, I'm reading the Bible, I'm, I'm, I'm sensitive to the Holy Spirit. But I'm also very cognizant of the fact that I do not witness when I'm out of fellowship with Jesus. I was a teacher of evangelism for, for years. And I was teaching at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. This is about 1998. And um, Hannah... And Bryant were in the car with me. Layton is really little. He is at home with, with Ashley. I'm in my two-door red Toyota Tercel. <laughs> Life is good. I'm picking up the kids. I've taught a full day. I've worked. And now I'm heading home. And, and I can just feel like, you know, I'm sure I'm tired. And I've got the kids here with me. And Hannah's sitting in the back. And... Bryant, he's in the car seat, you know, he's, and actually that feels like just a, just a little while ago. So he's, he's in his car seat. You know how they do the car seats? They got their head back this way and they're looking this way. And then Hannah, I can see her in the rear view mirror and she's sitting back there and we are driving down the road and we pass this amazing ornate Buddhist temple in Raleigh, North Carolina. Trust me, it's there. And I I'm, I'm just want to get home, right? I'm just tired. I got the kids. I'm hungry, hungry. I want to go home and eat. And Hannah has this bright ideal about her. She goes, Dad, what is that? And I said, well, sweetie, that's a Buddhist temple. She said, oh. She goes, do they know Jesus? And I said, uh, no, not, not like we know Jesus, but no, they don't. I'm driving down the road. And she asked me again a couple miles down the road. She goes, Dad. Who are those people? I said, well, they're Buddhists. And she goes, do they know Jesus? I said, no. And then she goes, well, why don't we go tell them? <laughs> Hannah's about six, about five or six years of age. And, and being the good, godly dad, professor of evangelism, Ph.D. in evangelism that I am, I said, would you be quiet? We're going home. That's what I told her. <laughs> That's a true story. Because when you ain't following, you ain't going to be fishing. And then she said, Dad, why don't, why don't we go? Why don't we go tell them? 
driving down the road. I'm going, this is ridiculous. I'm driving down the road. I'm like, really? I've turned the car around. I drive up to the parking lot. And there's this huge Buddhist temple, and I'm sitting in my car, and my hands are on the steering wheel, and I got this look on my face. And my six-year-old daughter, Hannah, says, Dad, you just stay here, and I'll go tell them. And I said, no. I said, we're, we're going together. Come on, Brian. So I got Brian and I got Hannah. And I'm walking up to the Buddhist temple. And I knock on the door and this bald-headed, long, flowing robe Buddhist monk says, how may I help you? I said, hi. I said, what? <laughs> um, my daughter here thought it very important that I tell you about Jesus. Oh, Jesus. He said, Jesus. I've heard of Jesus. I said, yeah, but let me, let me tell you about him. So I shared the gospel with him. And then he gave me a tour of the whole Buddhist temple. <laughs> it was beautiful. The point of the story is, oh, how I wish I'd be so close to the Lord. And my six-year-old daughter says, Dad, let's go. And I said, what a great idea. That's marvelous. Holy Spirit speaking to the daughter. She's speaking to me. Let's go. Let's go. But Jesus, he's so accurate. If you follow me, follow me, pursue me with all your passion, then I will help you become a fisher of men. And that's the second point, the fishing of men. Notice Jesus said, I will make you a fisher of men. Evangelism is not so much what we do, it's what God does through us. All he needs is a willing vessel. My favorite definition of evangelism is Bill Bright's. He said, Witnessing is sharing the gospel in the power of the Holy Spirit and leaving the results to God. D.T. Niles said, evangelism is one beggar telling another beggar where to get bread. James Harper would say, oh, evangelism is one drowning man telling another drowning man about the Lord Jesus and how you can be rescued. James Harper was... 13 years of age when he was converted to Christ. When he was 17, he surrendered to the gospel ministry to become a pastor. His first church he served is a little church. They ran, I think they ran 20. This is a church in England. They ran 20. And in 13 years, the church went from 20 to 500, which 500 at that time was a mega monster church. And so James Harper, he was deeply loved in England, and, and the Moody Church in Chicago found out about him, and they issued an invitation. They said, would you come and preach a series of meetings at the Moody, uh, uh, Moody Church here in Chicago? And he goes, oh, I'd be honored to. So he got his daughter, Anna. His wife had already passed away. So he is a single dad with a daughter, a young daughter, and Anna asked her first cousin, would you like to go to America with us? My dad is going to preach in Chicago, Illinois. And she said, I would love to. So the three of them got on the Titanic. True story. Very true, verified story. James Harper, along with most of the men, died. Anna lived. So did the cousin. Years later, there was a, a 
testimony meeting at a church in America. And a man came in to the meeting, and it was one of those you know, times of revival, times of testimony. And this guy, he, he's a Scotsman from Scotland, and he walks up, and he says, I want to share a story, a true story. I was on the Titanic. I was one of the few very fortunate souls, men, who lived to tell it. He goes, I was in the icy waters. I was holding on for dear life on a piece of wood, and this... strange man floating by me said, sir, are you saved? And I looked at this man. I was like, has he lost his mind? And I said, no, I'm not saved. I'm not even religious. And the guy said, okay. A few minutes later, you know, here he comes floating by again. And James Harper said, sir, Are you saved now? He said, no. He said, the Bible says, if you will believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. And that Scotsman stood up years later in a testimony service, and he says, I just want you all to know, I was the last convert of Pastor James Harper. Jesus said, follow me. And you'll tell other people about me. But if you're not following me, it's almost impossible to talk about me. When Jesus is on our minds, he comes out of our mouth. But if he's not on our mind, he will very seldom come out of our mouth. Ninety plus percent of the people in our evangelical churches today never witness survey was done, 54% of pastors in a six-month period told nobody about Jesus. Now, what I'm about to say next will probably be hard to hear, but I'm going to go ahead and say this. I'm going to say it as, as lovingly and as compassionately as I possibly can, but it goes like this. It really doesn't matter. How many Bible studies you attend. It doesn't matter how many times you sit at Great Hills Baptist Church and listen to me preach. It doesn't matter all the money you give. It doesn't matter if you're not talking about Jesus. Because you're not really following Jesus. So I take offense of that. Where in the world would you get such a radical thought? Jesus. He said, follow me. Follow me, men. And you'll fish. If you're never fishing for souls, if you're never sharing your testimony, if you are never bragging on Christ, or at the least say, hey, I go to Great Hills Baptist Church, would you come and, and join me sometime? If you're not doing something that resembles talking about the Master, that I'm telling you today, you are out of fellowship with God, you have rebelled against God, and you need to repent before God today. Because Jesus is worthy to be bragged on. Follow me, he said. Follow me. Oh, and I will help you. I will teach you. I will, I will guide you through, through the way. Oh, share your testimony. Share John 3, 16. Open up a tract. Open up a Bible. Say, come to my church. Do, do something in my name. 
And then you will demonstrate that you're truly following after, after me. Andrew, what a guy. What a man to always be known. Never miss an opportunity. Whether it's a brother. Whether it's a Roman governor named Aegeus. And he looks him in the face and he says, Sir, with all due respect, I can't help but talk about him. Because you see, what you are worshiping, those aren't gods. In fact, they're not really even idols, they're demons. The false gods that you are worshiping, they're, they're devils. Repent, believe on Christ, and you will be saved. And they said, to the cross you will go. And they showed him the cross. And Andrew walks toward the cross in Greece, and he says, I don't fear. It's like Barbara Bush. They said, you, 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 you scared about dying? She said, heavens, No. I know the king. I'm going to heaven. So Andrew's looking. He's looking at the cross and he goes, something amazing comes over me. He said, I have this, this unparalleled peace. I have this joy in my life. And I know that's going to be excruciatingly painful. But he then began to say, oh cross, I have longed for you because I knew this day would come. What's the worst thing that's going to happen to us in Austin, Texas when we share our faith? Very, very little. I'm not interested. Wham! Slam the door. That's it. That's it. Anybody? Would you raise your hand for just a minute? Repeat these words after me. For the one. Ready? For the one. Who's your one? Who's your one this week? You just said, if I don't witness to him, I'm a reprobate. I'm just I'm an irreligious person. That's what I said. <laughs> That's pretty much what I said. I'll make a promise to you. This week, when that one, when she comes in my path, when he comes in my path, they're going to hear about Jesus, and they're going to hear about Great Hills Baptist Church. Anybody? Y'all good? All right, good. Let's pray together and have our invitation. It's 1159. Thank you, Lord. Lord God in heaven, we worship you. You are worthy to be praised. First of all, Lord, I want to confess my sin, my sin of not following you like I should. And Lord, that time in Raleigh, North Carolina, many years ago, Lord, I, I relive that in my life today sometimes. There's only one reason why I would not brag on you or witness for you, and that means I'm out of fellowship with you. So, Lord, would you please forgive me and would you please restore me and energize me so that I could do a better job of representing you, bragging on you, telling other people about you. And, Lord, I would pray the same for our people. You would forgive us, O oh Lord. Forgive us where we fear failure, we fear rejection. But the only thing we really need to fear is God. Help us, Lord, to be so passionately following you that the H-E-B clerk or the dentist or the doctor or the person coming to help us in our house, whoever they may be, God, we would say, hey, would you join me? Come to Great Hills Baptist Church. We'd love to have you there. And here, I'll sit with you, and I just want to brag on Jesus. Will you come? Lord, I can't imagine what kind of cumulative impact that's going to have as the gospel's proliferated throughout this city just from us, not to mention all of our brothers and sisters. 
And Lord, as I think about them, I pray for them today. I, I'm so grateful that Great Hills Baptist Church is in sweet fellowship with many Bible-believing churches. And I pray for my brothers and my sisters. This is our day, God. The fourth Sunday of every month, we pray for our sister churches in Austin. We pray for the city of Austin. Lord, our mayor just told us a few nights ago that this trend of growth will continue on through 2040. God, they're coming. The people are coming by droves. And so, Lord, help us be ready for them. Help us to share with them. Help us to love on them. Help us stop whatever we're doing and just say, let me tell you about Christ. Let me tell you about my church. Let me tell you about what good things God is doing. How can I pray for you? How can I minister to you? Thank you, Lord. Thank you for so many that are doing this. I'm encouraged, Lord. I'm, I'm, I'm challenged by their obedience, and, I, and I'm motivated to do more. So thank you, Lord, for our church. The last thing I want to say, with your heads bowed and with your eyes closed, I'm going to close my prayer this way. I'm going to invite you, if you're here today and you want to take your first step towards God. And Jesus has spoken to you, and he said, follow me. Initially, become a disciple, become a Christian. You're ready to do that, then we invite you to come. We have counselors, we have pastors. We would love to talk with you, share with you, encourage you. Others of you say, Pastor, I've, I've done that, but I'm, I need to take a new step. I need to take a next step toward God, and I need to be baptized, or I need to become a member of this church and get involved and serve. We welcome you. You come. In our Baptist faith and our tradition, what we'll do in a moment after the preacher finishes praying, we're going to stand and we're going to invite you to come. And you come share your burden, share what God's put on your heart. Or maybe you just want to come to the altar and want to repent and ask God his forgiveness for where you've been disobedient. You haven't followed him like you should. And we invite you. We, we welcome you. I do apologize, Great Hills. I apologized last week. I got ahead of myself and I said our new members class for May is so full we're closed. And my precious staff looked at me Monday morning in our staff meeting. They say, Pastor, you were mistaken. We've got room. So would you come? If you want to join our church, May the 6th, we'll begin a, a brand new Discover Great Hills class. You come and let us help you. Let us encourage you in your walk with God. So, Father, thank you. Bless this invitation, we pray, as people come to the altar and do business with you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you as you stand and as you come. Mm -hmm.